So how does someone approach God? Is it even possible? That's one of the great questions that people ask generation after generation after generation. All people, all of us are sinful and imperfect, and God is holy and perfect. Sin and imperfection cannot honor God. They actually dishonor him. So how can we approach God in our current imperfect state? There's only one way. Someone has to stand before God for us. We need someone who's perfect and acceptable to God. Only someone perfect and acceptable, righteous, can represent us before God. That's the purpose of this section of Hebrews that I'm going to read to answer questions like that. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he's able to save the uttermost those, save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For indeed, it's fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men in their weaknesses as high priests, but the word of the oath, which came later than the law, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. This is the word of God still speaking today. Thanks Thanks be to God. From the beginning, the law given by God through Moses was not perfect. God's law was a response to people seeking God out through religion. In that world, and in our world today, people are seeking out God through many false religions and false gods. The Canaanites, the Egyptians, the Assyrians, and the Mesopotamians, those people that were surrounding that land that The Israelites came from, they all had varying beliefs and different gods that they worshipped. The one true God, Yahweh, chose Abraham to bring forth a people he could and would call his own. When it was time, God chose Moses to be his representative and to lead the people from captivity in Egypt into the promised land of Canaan. The law was given through Moses to help guide and form those people so they could be in relationship with God. Part of that law was the Levitical law, 
If you open up your Bible, that's found in the book of Leviticus. And it contains detailed instructions on how to maintain ritual purity. Being cleansed not only physically, they had, you had to wash certain way at certain times with certain water, but also morally. Be ritually pure morally. This was all seen as essential to being able to approach God. There were also instructions about the sacrifices to atone for the sin of the people so that this relationship with God could be maintained. And then there were also moral laws. God wanted them to create and live in a just and orderly society. Also in Leviticus, the role of the priests were laid out. The main point of all of this, the law of Moses, as this all encompasses, was just to allow people to have have access to God. The law of Moses was not perfect because it depended upon imperfect people. We all have imperfections, flaws, if you would. We all have different temperaments, dispositions, and emotional styles. I like the Myers-Briggs uh, personality test. Basically breaks down every personality into one of 16 main personalities. Of course, out of those, there's thousands of different types. We're all different. Our personalities are shaped by many factors, including our genes, our genetics, how we were raised, and our life experiences. Then we have our individual biology, our individual psychology, and then cultural influence. These things all change and help make up our emotional makeup, how we respond. And that's a reason, this difference, we're all different, that some people just have a hard time following the rules and the laws. That by itself doesn't mean that they're bad people. Think about, we just talked about fireworks being set off. If you know the law here in Delaware, all fireworks are all illegal except July 4th and December 31st. And even those kinds are very specific that you're allowed to use on those two days. Again, some people just, they have a hard time following rules and laws. They have a different view of what they mean to them in their lives. But then there are also people who are the exact opposite. They find their worth and their value based on how well they follow the rules and the laws. I'm a good person if I follow the rules and the law. The better I do that, the better person I am. And between those polar opposites are everyone else that have different ideas on what rules and laws mean to their lives. The 4th of July, we celebrate the founding of our nation. That was based on a disagreement over rules and laws. The British, Britain looked upon the colonists, the American colonists, as second-class citizens. And all the colonists really wanted were to be treated equally as Englishmen. And since people have all these different 
attitudes towards following rules and laws, how well a person follow, follows or doesn't follow these rules shouldn't be how we determine what a person's worth, what their value is. God, God even knew, God knew his chosen people, given his instructions, would not be able to follow and comply with God's law. One of my favorite parts to read in the Bible is in Deuteronomy where God has given the commandment several times. Moses has spoken. He said, tell him, I've set before you life and death. Choose life. And yet then a little while later, he, he says, I know once you die, Moses, these people are going to they're going to prostitute themselves to other gods. I know that. History demonstrates that the Levitical priesthood ended in two ways. The first way we talked about briefly a few weeks ago with the destruction of the second temple in 70 AD. There's no longer a place for the Levites, the priests, to perform their sacrificial duties. It ended the sacrifice that God called for. They couldn't do it. And second, this priesthood ended spiritually when Jesus sacrificed his life on the cross. And that's what the idea, the idea being put forward in today's scripture is that the death of Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. By willingly sacrificing his life on the cross, Jesus fulfilled the old covenant and made this Levitical priesthood obsolete. Verse 12 again. For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. That means that when the Levitical priesthood ended, the law that it was based on was no longer relevant. It had to change. I hope that makes sense. See, the old covenant law was never supposed to last forever. God knew it. God planned for it. That's what verse 11 is saying. Now, if the perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than the one named after the order of Aaron? Again, Aaron was the first high priest and Levites were supposed to come from his bloodline. So how did the law change? The law became flesh. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins, I think we're all familiar, blessed are you who, we call those the beatitudes. He, he flips the idea of what we think God means us to do, what our relationship in this world is supposed to be. He flips that idea upside down of God's law and the way we view God. Then after giving the Beatitudes, he, he said this. Jesus said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. He's clearly saying, I am here to fulfill that old covenant, that Old Testament law. Jesus Christ has always been the plan 
to fulfill the law of Moses. There's a theologian, there was a theologian, uh, Canadian-German, I believe. His name is Paul Tillich. He believed that Jesus was transcending the old law. He argued that the old law was a product of that time. It could not be directly applied to the modern world. Just think about it. If we all tried to, we had to make our sacrifices by the high priest in the temple, how many goats and lambs would we need? If you were breeding goats and lambs, you'd be in big business. But it's just not applicable in today's world, he, he argued. He said, on the other hand, Jesus taught a new way of living based on the law of love and compassion. Think about it. When, when Jesus was asked, he's discussing and arguing with the scribes and the Pharisees. One of them asked, what's the greatest commandment? What did Jesus say? Love God, love people. That's basically what he said. The new priesthood of Jesus Christ replaced the old priesthood and the old law. The Levitical priesthood was good. Jesus Christ as high priest is better. The old law was good. The new law based on love and compassion is better. In the second coming, when Christ returns, that will be the best. I want to read verses 15 to 19. This is from the message, the paraphrase. It really highlights what all this section is trying to say begins, but the Melchizedek story provides a strong, I'm sorry, a perfect analogy. Jesus, a priest like Melchizedek, not by genealogical descent, but by the sheer force of resurrection life, he lives. Priest forever in the royal order of Melchizedek. The former way of doing things, a system of commandments that never worked out the way it was supposed to, was set aside. The law brought nothing to maturity. Another way, Jesus, a way that does work, that brings us right into the presence of God, is put in its place. So what does Jesus serving as our great high priest mean in our lives today? First, we have to remember he's the son the second person of the Trinity, of, of the God, the triune God we worship. So he has this unique relationship with God. No other priest can have that. No other priest can be the son of God. The priesthood of Jesus is eternal. Priests of the old covenant could only serve so long before they got old and died. That shows just on that basis, it's the priesthood of Christ is superior because it goes on forever. Because he has eternity, that's his nature. He's eternal in nature, from beginning to end. His priesthood is perfect. It's perfect because he offered the perfect sacrifice on that cross. That means that Jesus' sacrifice has the atoning power over all sins of all time forever. Our sins are forgiven because of what Christ did on the cross. Today, tomorrow, the next day. And in our Methodist faith, this is very important because it means we don't have to earn our salvation. 
Instead, as Methodists, we affirm that anyone can be saved by the grace of God through their faith in Jesus Christ. It means that we can be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of the grace of God, the action through Jesus Christ. The law and the gospel stand in dark contrast. The old way, the law could not bring about salvation. But the new way, the gospel of Jesus Christ does. The gospel's better because it enables us to draw near to God. Verse 25 from the Amplified Bible. Therefore, he is able to also save forever, completely, perfectly, for eternity, those who come to God through him. Since he always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. Always Christ is there interceding and intervening on our behalf. When we celebrate communion in a few minutes, Christ will be there intervening, interceding. He's in the elements. He'll be be in our lives through this grace. So how do we apply this knowledge of Jesus as being the perfect high priest in our lives? We can pray to Jesus, knowing that he understands us, he gets us. He understands our struggles and our pain because he was human. He lived a human life. He understands us. So we can ask for his help and forgiveness at any time. We can read the Bible, God's word, especially Meditate on those stories of the life and ministry of Jesus. That helps us to understand him. And also we ask, how does that apply in my life today? That story I just read about Jesus. How does that, what does that mean for me today? How should I act? We worship Jesus and praise him for his sacrifice on our behalf. When we do that, that helps us grow in our love. For him and our appreciation for God's grace. And we serve others in the name of Christ. That's the way we show our love for Jesus and God in the world. By helping others. And this helps us share the hope of Christ with others. If you allow Jesus to serve as your great high priest. You will experience his grace, his strength and his hope in your life today. Through Jesus Christ, we are empowered to live holy lives and serve others. In closing, I just want to share this one verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 from the Amplified Bible. Paul writes, For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered yes. So through Jesus, we say amen to the glory of God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen.